Sister Betty, are you able to hear this? I, are, she's got a three-second delay. Just make sure, uh, would you please, Ben, make sure that it's working for her. So I'm, it is working. set before. 
say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you for everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks finds unto him who knocks. It will be opened. This is a parable of three friends. If you miss the friendship element in this parable, you miss the parable. It's a parable of friendship. And three friends. Now, two of them are going to be represented for us tonight by Elijah and Jamal. There's a third friend that's more long distance, and let's call him Willie, just for the fun of it, okay? Let's, Jamal has a friend in Cleveland, and his name is Willie. And Willie gets a, a, a message, family tragedy in Bangor. And Willie has to get from Cleveland to Bangor, Maine, yesterday. He doesn't have time to book a flight. He jumps in his car and hits I-90 and hits for Bangor. Now, he is so rattled by the family news, he even forgets his cell phone. And he is driving like crazy to get to Bangor. Now, I want you to stretch your imagination, my friends, and just pretend for a while that Hartford, Vermont is close to I-90. Just let's pretend that we're close to civilization tonight. <laughs> this town is close to I-90. Let's just pretend, okay? And tonight, I've got Jamal and Elijah living in Hartford, Vermont, right near I-90. And tonight, you guys are friends. You're both married. <laughs> and tonight, you both have kids. So, Willie is driving I-90 for Bangor. And it's taking forever. And he's like getting close to Hartford. And it's been nine hours. And he's looking, going four more hours. Oh, my God goodness, it's almost midnight. He is just shot tired. And it occurs to him, Jamal, Jamal lives in Hartford. I'm going to take the exit. I'm going to go to his house. He just might put me up for the night. I can catch a few hours, get up in the morning, and finish the trip. And so Willie takes the exit, gets to Hartford, gets to Jamal's house, and it's almost midnight when Willie goes. Jamal's asleep. 
is there somebody at my door? It's Willie, your buddy from Cleveland. Family tragedy. I need a place to crash. Can I catch a few hours? And Jamal, he's trying to wake up. He's like, Willie, is that you? What are you doing at my door? And Willie goes, I'm sorry, man. Family tragedy. Forgot my cell phone. Didn't call. I know. Jamal 
is not going to shut up. He's like, sorry, bro. I need your three loaves. And Elijah's like, I don't have three loaves. Shut up and get off my property and go back to bed. And Jamal's like, yes, you do. I saw you after dinner. Put those three loaves in your pantry. Get your carcass out of bed. Get over to your pantry and give me your three loaves. This is the parable that Jesus has painted for us. He's got Jamal knocking at Elijah's door and demanding his three loaves of bread. Our parable comes into color when you see two words in this parable. The first one is the word midnight. You have to see the whole scenario between Jamal and Elijah shaking down at midnight. And Jamal is going to put pressure on his friendship. He's basically saying to Elijah, hey, what kind of a friend are you? Are you just the kind of friend that when everything is comfortable and convenient, you're in? But as soon as something inconvenient comes along that's a hassle, you check out of the friendship. What kind of a friend are you? And Jamal is going, hey, you know what? I think that I've got a little bit of friendship credit in our account. I helped you move last month, bro. Hey, we've gone hunting together. We've gone fishing together. We go back to college years. Hey, I think that you'll get yourself out of bed and go get me three loaves of bread. He's actually stressing the friendship to get what he wants, three loaves in a time of need. If you're going to pray like this, you better have some relational equity with God. Because if you're going to pray the way Jesus has Jamal praying, you got to have friendship with God. And I'm going to say, don't wait to grow the friendship until something goes bad. Build a friendship with God now so that when stuff hits the fan, you have a relational bank that you can cash in on.
limits on the books that do not allow for this kind of behavior. We call it harassment. We call it trespassing. We call it disturbing the peace. I've, I'm telling you, Jesus has Jamal breaking the law in this parable. If you don't think that Jamal is breaking the law in this parable, then give it a shot tonight. <laughs> Go to somebody's house, get knock, step onto their doorstep, hammer on their door, yell at them, and when they say, get off my property, refuse to get off their property. Give it a shot. You will probably spend the night in a cement room somewhere. It's illegal behavior. And what Jamal is basically doing is he's serving his friend an ultimatum. Call the cops. Or give me three loans. But I think our friendship is too tight for you to like, call the cops on me. We go back too far. We were roommates in college. We've got a history. We, we golf together. And I think before you call the cops on me, I think you'll pull your carcass out of bed, go to your pantry, and sees their faith and heals the man. An 
example of illegal prayers is uh, there's a woman that has uh, some, it seems like some kind of female issue because she's got an internal hemorrhage of some sort and she can't find anyone to help her with this. She's gone to many doctors, only gotten worse. She hears that Jesus of Nazareth is coming to town. Hope springs alive in her heart. If I could just get to Jesus and just touch his garment, I know I'd be healed. Problem. The law of Moses. There's legal problems here. The law of Moses had three laws that were against this gal. Number one law. If you have a condition that give, that causes a like a chronic hemorrhage of some sort, whether you're a male or female, if you've got some kind of a chronic oozy thing or whatever, you are unclean. What that means is you cannot go to the temple and worship until you are ceremonially cleansed. So this woman is unclean. Secondly, the law said, if you're unclean and then you touch someone else, you make them unclean by your touch. So the third law goes like this. If you have a chronic condition that renders you chronically unclean, you have to live outside of town so that you're not mixing with people. Let's not make your problem everybody else's problem. And so this woman lived on the outside of town and everybody knew why she was unclean. When Jesus comes to town, if she attempts to mingle with the crowd, they will call her out immediately. How can she ever get to Jesus? The man is thronged by people. She gets creative. She gets a blanket or a shawl. She pulls it over her head like this, gets down close to the ground, and then starts to push her way through the crowd. And every person that she touches, she's defiling with her touch. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. Excuse me. Oops, didn't mean to. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. And by the time she gets to Jesus, she has broken the law about 173 times. Or however many people she's touched. So by the time she gets to Jesus and gets her healing, she touches Jesus, she gets healed, she wants to disappear because she just broke the law 173 times and she doesn't want to get called out. But Jesus,
Jesus will not let this gal off the hook. And he's like, somebody touch me. Somebody touch me. And when she realizes that she's not going to be able to get away, she comes trembling. She broke the law 173 times. And Jesus says to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You're healed. Illegal prayers. This is the kind of praying that Jesus has Jamal praying in our parable. So here's what I hear Jesus saying to us through Jamal's example. You have a relationship with God. Go illegal. Break the law. Forget the rules. Push the envelope. Violate protocol. Demand attention. Push and shove. Brook no denial. You're a friend. You're a child of God. You've got relationship. Ditch propriety. Go for the jugular. Call the question. Press the point. Strain the relationship. Go all in. Despise political correctness. Contravene convention. Go ballistic. Test the limits. Cross the line. Throw caution to the wind. Go for broke. Pray illegal prayers. Jamal's over here going, I'm all 
already disrupted. My whole family is up. My wife is up. My kids are up. They're sitting around my kitchen table right now. They're waiting for me to show up with, you know, actually, they don't even know I'm at your door right now. And, 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 and so, like, I'm sorry, bro, that this is inconvenient for you, but it's been disruptive for me, too. So go to your pantry and get me three loaves. Answered prayers are disruptive. They accelerate things. That's why Jesus said to everybody that he healed, don't tell anybody. Because every miracle that he performed was disruptive and accelerating the slide to Calvary. And Jesus is trying to control the thing a little bit. Like, okay, let's just not go to Calvary too quickly, okay? Let's, uh, and so he's trying to manage the three-year thing. And every miracle is accelerating the slide to Calvary. For example, when, uh, when um, Lazarus gets healed, he raises Lazarus from the dead. That one just tipped it over the edge, and now they're like, okay, that's it, you're dead. Because disruption accelerates things. And uh, we, we see this in the evening news. How many people have been watching the news recently and feeling like all the disruption that's happening in America, at least, and in other places as well, but the disruption that we're having in our nation, you just feel like, I think Jesus is coming tomorrow. <laughs>
We don't need revival next month. We don't even need revival next week. We need revival now. And somebody needs to feel deeply enough about the concern of their heart that they're willing to push back and go, we need three loaves now. If you can receive what I'm about to say, Jesus is actually counseling us through Jamal's example. Consider this kind of praying. It reminds 
reminds me of a story in the New Testament. There's a wedding in Cana. Mary is invited to the wedding. Jesus and his disciples are invited to the wedding. And Mary comes to her famous son, and she goes, uh, 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 they've run out of wine. Now, I think that Mary is going to, uh, that Jesus is going to do right now what he always does. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. So I, I've got Jesus checking in with the father. He's going, Abba, what do you think? Mom says, they have no more wine. Do you want me to do anything here? And it's almost as though the father comes back with something like this. Too disruptive. Son, when they know that you do miracles, it's a straight slide to Calvary. Once you do that first miracle, Cat's out of the bag. <laughs> it's feathers to the wind. Son, you will never get it back. Once you do that first miracle, it's just straight to Calvary. Too many disruptive. And so Jesus turns to his mom and he goes, not a good time. Actually, that's not exactly what he said. What he said exactly was, my time has not yet come. And what he meant is, the time for my supernatural ministry has not come yet. Abba just told me, it's not time. Mary pushes back. And she's like, we don't need wine tomorrow. The wedding's today. Hello. We need wine now. And Mary's going to push back on Jesus. And she says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And Jesus is looking at his mother going, woman, did you hear what I just said to you? But Mary's going to push back.
here and get something from you now that I need it. And Mary's going to cash in her relational equity. And she's like, you know, the Bible does say, children, honor your father and your mother. And Jesus finds himself torn between his mother and his father. His mama's going, ah, we need wine now. And Abba's going, oh, it's just not time yet. And Jesus is torn between mom and Abba. Mom, Abba, mom, Abba. She's pulling the mother card. goes, I know, what are you going to do? And Mary gets her wine before the time. What Mary does on that occasion, my friends, it's stunning. She actually is shifting times and seasons in the kingdom of God. She is turning epics. She is re she is actually bringing into the present that which was meant for tomorrow in the heart of the Father, turning the seasons of the Spirit through her boldness because of relationship. There's a generation that needs to rise up in the earth that is so close to their beloved, so intimate with him, that they can actually push back, challenge God's timing, and go, we can't live with that answer. We need revival in the upper valley now. Verse 8. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. There are two ingredients to answer prayer in verse 8 that I want to point to. There's the element of friendship and the element of persistence. And because Jamal has a friendship with Elijah, that's not enough. Not enough to have a friendship. You've got to add a second element to the friendship. It's called persistence. And Jamal, friendship plus persistence makes a combustible combination that produces answered prayer. And the second colorful word in our parable is the word persistence in verse 8. It's a compound word in the Greek language. It's comprised of two words inside one. It means no shame. So the words no and shame are put together for the word so if you were to translate the word literally into English, you would say probably shamelessness. But shamelessness is an 
writers are always looking for a nicer word that is more, you know, more friendly to our everyday language. And so they've come up with, uh, in like the old King James used the word importunity. The new King James uses the word persistence. And actually, neither word are really adequate. Because what's going on in an idea is not that is not described by the word importunity. The word importunity is the idea of just knocking and not giving up. But the word persistence in our text is not pointing to the fact that Jamal will not stop knocking on the door. It's pointing to the fact that he's doing it at midnight. It's pointing to his rudeness. It's pointing to his guts, the effrontery, the nerve of the guy to stand at somebody's door at midnight, refuse to get off his property, and hammer on his door at midnight. It's pointing to the end. Invasiveness of Jamal in this parable. Yeah, always over here going, yeah, you're just describing him perfectly. It's holy, isn't it? Did I get the name right? Yeah. 
here's his definition of a chutzpah, by the way, if you want to spell it. Do we have, I don't know if we got it in the notes. So uh, if they didn't get that in the notes here, I'll spell it for you. C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H. C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H. Chutzpah. And Leo Rosten defined it. Next screen. Next screen. Next screen. Right. 
healing bread of Jesus now. I'm not the only one, okay? Is there anyone that has a prayer that's so strong that I've got to have an answer now? This is John Knox. I, I, I believe in praying dangerous prayers. I believe in praying ultimatums. This is John Knox going, give me Scotland or I die. to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the 
chapter that he may live. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan, and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Chapter 5. Esther is going to go. She's going to break the law now, and she's going to go to the king. Chapter 5. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court. If you underline in your Bible, underline inner court. Stood in the inner court of the king's palace, across from the king's house, while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, that she found favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter, and the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. That particular part of the story is intentionally placed beside chapter 6. You're supposed to see that event contrasted now by chapter 6. They're put side by side. Now chapter 6. That night the king could not sleep, so one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Pigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Then the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants who attended him said, has been done for him. So the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court. If you underline in your Bible, underline the words outer court. Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. The king's servant said to him, Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. The king had two courts, an outer court and an inner court. And here's how it worked. When you had a petition that you wanted to present to the king, the law was very clear. You may not go directly to the inner court. Reason being suicide bombers. That was a little bit of a joke, but the idea is assassination attempts. The wrong guy gets in the inner court, 
something up and you know so to protect the king it's illegal to just go into the inner court you have to go to the outer court first you have to get your temperature taken first They take your temperature, then you get to the outer court, and and you take a number and wait your turn. And when they call your number, they pad you down, and then they escort you into the inner court. And now you can present your petition to the king. The law was very clear about that. Esther goes, I'm about to inform the king that I'm a Jew. Which means I'm dead. Because all the Jews are going to be killed. My life is on the line. I may as well go illegal. Got nothing to lose. So Esther bypasses the legal and goes against the law straight into the inner court because her life is on the line. Haman, in contrast, wants to present a petition to the king. He wants to hang Mordecai, but Haman's like, I'm not going illegal. I'm not putting my life on the line for this. I'm going legal, man. And so Haman goes legal. He goes into the outer court, takes a number, waits his turn. And the way the story shakes down, Haman goes legal and doesn't even get a hearing. Esther goes illegal and gets what she wants. I'm going illegal. I'm going to pray illegal prayers tonight. By, by the way, get ready. We're about to go illegal tonight. It's going there. <clears throat> and I've asked the question, Kathy, I wonder if you've ever asked the question, how? Did Esther get in the inner court? That baby's guarded. I mean, you can't just walk in the inner court. How did she get in there? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us, and so it's the realm of sanctified imagination. So here's my sanctified imagination. I don't know how it worked, okay, Elijah, but it maybe looked something like this. Esther is about to go illegal. Well, number one, you get dressed up. Chapter 5, verse 1. She is going to look good. You know what I'm saying? When you put your life on the line, you are going to look good. And so she gets duded up. That's not the right word for it. She gets, what's the right, you know? All, yeah. She, does, she is looking very queenly. And 
comes to the inner court and she says to the guard, open the door. And the guard's like, I'm sorry, my lady, I can't do that. But if you'll go to the outer court and take a number, I'll tell the king that you're here. And she goes, open the door. And the guard is like, excuse me, my lady, I, I, I can't do that. That's actually against the law. But if you, if you don't mind, just go to the outer court, take a number. I'll tell the king you're here. I know that he'll see you right away. Open the door. My lady, be a nice queen. Go to the outer court. Take a number. Open the door. My lady, you could hang for this. I know. Open the door. Yes, my lady. And Esther got in the inner court because of relationship to the king. It's all about relationship. And when she got in that inner court, Larry, she didn't say a word. She just stood there. Just by standing there, she's serving the most powerful man on the planet, an ultimatum. Hang me or hear me. And the most powerful man on the planet is looking at his queen and thinking to himself, Sweetheart, what do you want of this badly? You're putting your life on the line for it. What do you want this badly? And the king is just so curious. He's like, I gotta know what you want. <laughs> and he lifts his scepter to Esther. She comes, she touches the scepter. And then as the story unfolds, she invites him to a banquet and the whole thing has some other twists and turns to it. But she gets her hearing with the king because she prayed illegal prayers. The book of Hester is the book of two women who broke the law. Vashti broke the law by pulling away from the king. Esther broke the law by drawing close to the king. And just by standing in the inner court, breaking the law,
call the cops. I think you're gonna get out of bed and give me three loaves. Jesus, thank you for teaching us tonight how to pray. And we are saying, Lord, we're, we're gonna take your cues and we're, we're, we're gonna, Lord, we, we want to, we want to explore what it is to follow your word here and actually push back, challenge your timing, receiving today what you meant for tomorrow. I'm first in line for this tonight, my brothers, my friends, and I think there's some other people you might want to be ready to pray some illegal prayers tonight because what? have you had this friendship with Jesus? How much have you invested into this? Isn't it about time to cash in on this friendship and go, I need three loaves now. We need wine now. So we're going to pray some chutzpah prayers. We're going to pray some strong faced prayers. I'm going to get into the face of God because of the authority of the words of Jesus Christ. I'm going to get in his face, push back, and say, I need three loaves now. So uh, uh, however, Pastor, however you want to help this happen, here's what I, I, I just want to give a chance for We've got some bold people in the house. We've got Grandma. We've got our mama here, Mama Betty. And uh, in case you didn't know, she's ready to pray chutzpah prayers. I don't know if you knew that, but she's ready to pray chutzpah prayers with you. We've got a wild man over here, Ron and Susan and Larry. These people are crazy, okay? They're, they are crazy people, and they will pray chutzpah prayers with you tonight. We've got Sheila in the house. We have got some crazy people that have gathered here. And then we've got some crazy chutzpah people over here with strong faced prayers. So you can just pray yourself. You can join with one of us and we'll pray with you. But we're going to knock and not be moved. Give me three loaves. Now, so, uh, Kyle or Jamal, if the Lord anoints you for something on the keys, just obey the Lord on that. Uh, I don't know what else to say, but if you want to pray, pray. Uh, if you, uh, I'm going to ask if, uh, if Betty and Ron and Susan and Larry and Pastor, you can just help me do this, okay? Uh, you run it from now on, and we're going to pray some dangerous, chutzpah, audacious, strong-faced, pushback, challenging, God's sovereign timing, 